Welcome to Poptopia. Welcome to Poptopia, your podcast for all things pop culture. I'm your host, Paul French, and it is Saturday, September 9th, 2006, and it's an all-comic book episode of Poptopia. Uh, this episode is mostly going to consist of interviews that I did at the Toronto Fan Expo last week. It's going to have some comic stuff, some movie stuff, a little bit of everything. So let's get right to the interviews because um, actually it's going to probably fill up a lot of the show and I've got a couple of other little news items to do in between. So we're going to start off with an interview I did with Blair Kitchen, who's got a great book out called The Possum. I am here with Blair Kitchen of Possum Press and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about his book, The Possum. Give us the 30 second pitch about what the book's about. It, it's a funny superhero book. It stars uh, Stuart Spankley. He's a self-published comic book artist that lives at home with his parents and and he, he somehow gets powers of a possum, so he, no vital signs, and uh, he pretty much can take a beating from all the bad guys and play dead. No, no super strength or anything, so it, uh, it's pretty much the powers are there for him to get beaten up. And it's, so it's like the, the proportional strength and, well, laziness of a possum? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it, uh, it also takes place with Stuart's life and his friends around the comic shop. And, you know, him growing up, being an 18-year-old, living at home with no income, and yeah, it's just a fun fun superhero book. So what is it that inspired you to write this particular story? Um, well, I've, I've been working in animation for eight years, working on other people's projects, and you just have that creative uh, urge to do something you're, you know, that, that you're in control of. So uh, drawing without model sheets and ah. things. So it's uh, just kind of an outlet for, for creativity, and, you know, who knows where it'll go. So what are some of the other uh, properties that you'd worked on in the, in the past in animation? Um, I just finished working on uh, last year on uh, Curious George, the movie. And I've been working for a, a commercial house, uh, Chuck Gamage Animation, where uh, we do a lot of Tony the Tiger, Rice Krispies, tricks, uh, all that stuff. So I've, I've been uh, trying to stay in the, the traditional animation. Um, so I've stayed away from computers as of now. And, uh, yeah, we'll see see how long I can hold out. So the book looks great, and it's available at uh, www.possumpress.com. Is there anything else that you can say to would-be readers of the title? I don't know. i got a wife and kids at home, so, so check it out and buy lots. Awesome. Thanks very much, Blair. Thanks. So that's The Possum at www.possumpress.com. A really, really funny comic book. Uh, just all kinds of zany superhero comedy, and it kind of takes on a lot of those little superhero conventions and uh, really pokes a lot of fun at them, as, as any good satire should. And, it, and uh, the artwork is absolutely fantastic. So definitely check this out again, www.possumpress.com. And I'm going to have all of the links to all of the projects that were discussed in these interviews uh, on the uh, main site. So www.paulfrench.ca slash poptopia. And there'll be a link to each of the projects that we spoke about. So you'll be able to click and uh, find out a bit more about them and hopefully buy the projects because you know what? There's some great stuff out there. So we went from the possum to a romantic comedy about superheroes called Love and Capes. And I picked up issue one of this series and uh, read it just the other day, and it, it's hilarious because it remembers the prime rule of how to do a good romantic comedy. Don't forget the comedy. Here's the interview. I'm standing here with Tom Zoller, who uh, has a new book out called Love and Capes. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about what Love and Capes is all about. Well, Love and Capes is a superhero sitcom. It's kind of like Lois and Clark, except without all the bad parts. <laughs> and there were a few, is what you're saying. Yes, at no point will I have the headless David Leisure uh, as a supervillain. None of that stuff. So it's basically it's about a superhero who decides he loves his girlfriend, so he better tell her his secret. And it's, is there ever a good time to tell your girlfriend you have x-ray vision? 
<laughs> now, what is it that, that uh, really inspired this story for you? What, what is it that made you think, I, this is a story I need to tell? Well, oddly enough, I, I love doing comic book stuff, but there's so many places doing good superhero battles, and to me, the relationships were always the cool part that they never focused on. So I like writing a light romantic comedy. It was finally my chance to, to do that in a comic book. Fantastic. Uh, now, uh, issue one is out. When does issue two come out? Issue two will be out in December. It's a Christmas issue. Um, I've been pitching that as what do you get your girlfriend for Christmas when she knows you can crush coal into diamonds. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, where can people find out a bit more about, uh, about the, the book? You can go to loveandcapes.com. You spell out and, L-O-V-E-A-N-D-C-A-P-E-S.com. Fantastic. Thanks very much for your time, Tom. Sure. Thank you. Comics weren't the only thing being discussed at Fan Expo. We also had a lot of things from movies. Uh, Fan Expo basically is a comic, sci-fi, anime, and uh, horror convention. And so we got to talk to a few people about a, about a couple of movies that are coming on. First, we're going to hear an interview on Sidekick the Movie, and then I'm going to follow that up with a little interview about a film festival that's coming up in Toronto in October. And I'm here with Perry Musi, and I'm just going to ask him to tell us a little bit about the movie Sidekick. Uh, well, I, uh, I play a character called Norman Neal in the film, and uh, Norman is an IT guy at a Bay, Bay Street brokerage firm, and he finds somebody in his office building who displays slight telekinetic ability, and Norman, being the comic book aficionado that he is, thinks that the most natural thing in the world to do would be to train this person to become a superhero, and then don the cape, don the tights, and go out into Toronto and fight criminal elements, and, uh, and he, Norman, in turn, could be Victor's super, uh, superhero sidekick. So that's the yeah, that's the basis. Well, that's perfect. Uh, now, when did when was the initial release of the of the film? I know it's coming out on DVD November fourteenth, but uh, where else is the film screened? I know it screened here a couple of nights ago. Uh, we had our world premiere uh, last year. It was September twenty sixth, I believe, in uh, in Calgary at the Calgary International Film Festival. And then we played the film festivals all throughout North America. Uh, we actually won the Audience Choice Award at the Canadian Filmmakers Festival here in Toronto back in March. Um, and then we also, uh, thanks to a telefilm grant, we were able to uh, show the film across the country from Halifax to Vancouver in every major city. And uh, we did that in the spring on a month-long tour. So That's fantastic. And uh, so the DVD comes out on November 14th. Where can people go to find out more about the film? Uh, they can go to www.sidekickmovie.com, and all the information will be available there. Perfect. Thank you very much for your time, Perry. I appreciate it. Thank you, Paul. I'm uh, here with Adam Lopez, who is the director and founder of the Toronto After Dark Film Festival. Adam, can you tell us a little bit about the festival? Sure. Uh, we're launching this October uh, at the Bloor Cinema in downtown Toronto at Bloor and Bathurst. And we're basically five nights of thrilling cinema from around the world. Uh, we've uh, scoured the planet to find cool and cutting-edge indie films uh, and international films in the horror, sci-fi, and fantasy realm. And we've got some really exciting stuff coming. We've got German zombie comedies. Um, we've got Japanese uh, ninja um, fight uh, love stories, all sorts of really cool and crazy stuff from the U.S. as well, um, Midnight Films, featuring um, people who eat Canadian beef and just become insane kung fu fighters. Um, you're going to just love the lineup we have. Um, check us out at torontoafterdark.com for more information. Okay, and uh, this is the first year, that, as I said, that the film festival is running. Can you give us an idea of some of the, uh, some of the featured films at this year's festival? 
Yeah, we have uh, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon, which is a really hotly anticipated new horror film that's doing the circuit right now. Uh, and this is a film about a young man who basically aspires to become the next Freddy Krueger. And it's very, very funny because it's got a documentary film crew basically following this young guy as he goes into training, goes to the local high school, says which girl is a good girl to be left at the end of the film and which one should he um, take out first. And it also has a cameo appearance by uh, the legendary, of course, Robert Englund, Freddy Krueger himself, who ironically in this film plays the detective who's trying to stop the serial killer from, from arriving at his destination. Uh, we also have Shinobi, which is a gorgeous-looking uh, fantasy epic from Japan, uh, featuring uh, ninjas and all sorts of shape-shifting uh, evil creatures. And um, one of the high points as well is Night of the Living Dorks, which is a zombie comedy from Germany. Teenage, uh, teenage uh, nerds acquire um, extra powers when they become the undead and suddenly become cool. So check that one out. That's another Audience Award winner. And all of these films are playing for the first time ever in Toronto, so it's quite exciting to have these premieres. And we are also in talks with the directors in a number of cases to come here as well with the films. And, of course, there'll be kick-ass gala parties. Um, there will be a film panel with uh, independent genre filmmakers and a zombie walk. So people who want to indulge their zombie fantasies can also dress up, and we'll be giving them a break when they arrive at the cinema in terms of the ticketing. So a real fun event, uh, Toronto After Dark, coming in October. Fantastic. Now, how did you get into it? How did you, what is your background that got you into doing this film festival? Well, I've always been a fan of these uh, cool and cult films, and I've also done a little bit of independent filmmaking on the side. I did a zombie short a few years ago, which I'd rather not talk about, but it has played a couple places. It's called Sunday Night Zombies. If you do a search on the internet, you might find it. Um, and I just really like the fact that now you're seeing these kind of films, cool and cult and thrilling genre fantasy films, uh, play, uh, festivals have been created just around them. And Montreal has one, uh, Barcelona has one, San Francisco has one. Why doesn't Toronto have one? We have the, all these other film festivals. Apparently we have 60 at the latest count, <laughs> including the world's largest, which is the Toronto International, attended by, I think, 300,000 people a year now. And we don't have a fun festival just for uh, fantasy and horror nuts like myself. And uh, I was talking to these other festival directors around the world, and they said, you should do something in Toronto. So they've been giving us a lot of advice. We're actually getting advice from Montreal. We're getting advice from Austin, Texas, and even San Francisco on how to do this really, really good. And uh, local magazine Rumorg are big horror fans, and they're supporting us as well. And the Space Channel as well, which is really nice to be adopted by all these people. And the fans are just coming out. We're really, really pleased with the amount of uh, attention we're getting. That's fantastic. Well, more information can be found at torontoafterdark.com. And thank you very much for your time, Adam. All the best. Take care. And it sounds like it's going to be a great festival. Uh, a lot of great films that they've got there. And you can just hear the enthusiasm and the passion that Adam has for what he's doing. And uh, that can only lead to a great event. So we're going to be looking forward to that festival. I'm going to be out there to check it out. And, uh, and I'll let you know all about it. Just going to cover a bit of fast-breaking comic book news before I get into the last interview. Uh, this morning, I received an, an email from Anthony Johnson, who is the writer of Wasteland. And you'll remember I uh, reviewed the comic Wasteland from Oni Press a few months back. Anthony Johnson, who is the writer... Uh, Chris Mitten, the artist, and cover artist Ben Templesmith, all very elated by the reaction that's happened with the series Wasteland. It's really been well received, and they're very excited about the continuing development of the book, and also the growing fan community that's surrounding it. However, and there's been a lot in the news lately about late comic books. I mean, it's been an ongoing issue for years, but with uh, Civil War, there was a huge fan outcry over this um, uh, just a couple of months back. In this case, there's no issue off of it this coming November, but that's okay. It's planned skip month, and the series 
series will be back in December with issue number five. Uh, what they're trying to do is to say we're not going to solicit the book until we know we're going to ship it. So then we don't miss on sale dates. And this gives sort of a twofold break. First of all, retailers who are still in the process of gauging the growing demand for the book have a chance to reapproach their initial orders and look at making their orders, you know, more accurately meet the needs of the stores without relying on reorders, which is always more expensive and less reliable. Also, Chris Mitten penciled, inked, toned, and lettered the first three issues. And one of those issues, issue one, was double-sized. And I mean, that just that's just mind-boggling. And so what they need, knew they were going to need to do is to give break, Chris a break, you know, and making sure that he can stay on this series for a long time. Because, you know, then you get into fill-in artists and it never looks quite as good. Anyway, with issue four, the series welcomes a new letter, Doug Sherwood, uh, who's going to join the team. And so that gives a slight reduction to Chris's workload. But they're still going to have to take breaks every once in a while. The only alternative is you start missing on sale dates, and they just don't want to do that. They won't be prolonged, and they won't be frequent, but they will happen from time to time in order to keep the quality and integrity of the series intact. So that's okay, though. Don't, you're not going to be twiddling your thumbs waiting. There's big things happening on the series website, which is thebigwet.com. First of all, with the release of issue three on September 13th, the entire double-sized issue number one is going to be available to download in a variety of formats with a range of different download options. In addition to the regular updates that happen with each issue release, next week we'll also see the debut of a dedicated fan section where Wasteland readers can submit fan art and music inspired by the series. I think it's safe to say that I've never experienced a fan reaction as wide or as passionate as I have for Wasteland, commented writer Anthony Johnson. It's a thrill to see people get so involved and ingrained in this world we've created, and with the massive amount of fan mail we've received, including a piece of music, it just seemed right to create a special place for our fans on the official website. Finally... Oni's publisher, Joe Nozomak, says, Anthony, Chris, and Ben have hit a chord with comic readers, and we owe a huge debt of gratitude to the fans, retailers, and reviewers that have helped Wasteland become one of the indie comics breakouts of the summer. But we're nowhere near done yet. The best stuff is truly yet to come. For more information on Wasteland, visit www.thebigwet.com. Hey, I'm here with Mike Kitchen, and we're going to talk a little bit about his book called Spy Guy. Give me the 30-second pitch for the book. Spy Guy, the catch line that I use for that is the hard-boiled funny pages. Basically what it is is like a cross between you know, your classic Warner Brothers cartoons mixed with like a law and order, you know, crime drama, noir type story. It's like a, you know, it's a dark comedy. You yeah. know, it's something that... I can use as an outlet to just give my commentary on society. What was it that, uh, that really influenced the, this, this particular way of, of telling the story? Comics as a medium is great for telling any sort of story because it's something that you can do on your own by yourself. You don't need a big budget to go ahead and produce one of these. Um, and also, because it's self-published, you get to have full control over the character, which is great. Now, where can uh, where can people check out the book and find out a bit more about it? The easiest place to find it would be on the website, which is www.altris.net. If there is, is just one last thing that you could say about the book to encourage people to, to buy it, what would that be? Support the little guy. So now you can see why I left that interview for last, because you know what? I, I mean, Spy Guy, first of all, awesome comic book, really, really funny. I'm talking pee-your-pants funny and really well-drawn. But Mike Kitchen speaks the truth, people. Support your independent artists. I don't care if it's movies, music, comic books. Check out what the independent guy has going, because often it's a lot cooler than what you've been spoon-fed. That's all the time we got for today. Comments, as always, are welcome at Poptopia Podcast at gmail.com. Have yourselves a fantastic week. Thank you.